The Night Shift Podcast is crowdfunding to complete Season 1. If you're enjoying the show, please check out the Kickstarter link in the description. We've hit our initial funding goal and are on the way to our first stretch goal, a bonus Halloween episode. So we'd love for you to pledge your support and help us reach it. Thank you. I just wanted to say thank you for looking into the Charles Delaney story so thoroughly. I never believed he was guilty. He seemed like such a nice man before he became a shade. Hey, Sebastian, I love the show. Will you have Dr. Volto on again anytime soon? I was wondering if you'd do an episode on Valkyries one day. I love mythology. I think they'd be a great fit for your series. Leave Dr. Volta alone. That man is changing the world, you know. Calling him the devil? You should be ashamed of yourself. Obviously, Augur's not perfect, but what company is? Choose your battles better. Alphas, uh, shades, what, what about Valkyries and people who still have magic? I want to hear your opinion on why magic disappeared. If anyone can find a Valkyrie, you can. This week, I wanted to bring the podcast to its core. You. The people listening. The citizens of Ekor City. Since you last heard my voice, many of you have sent in stories. Stories of the strange, the unexplainable, the unknown. Ekor is overflowing with them. Around the progress that sees our city thrive, Echor is a place of magic and of monsters, of shadows. I wanted to share some of your stories as I continue my investigation into the vanishing of Vanessa Alvarez. Thank you for listening. I'm Sebastian Fenn, and this is the Night Shift Podcast. Life's too short to get it all right. First time to go to with this. We went to the cops, but they just shrugged us off as dumb, drunk teenagers. I've been listening to your podcast, and I guess this is just for my own peace of mind. So here it goes. You read Shadow's blog, right? He posted once about there being something in the waters of Lake Echor. I, I always thought it was a load of crap. The voice you're hearing belongs to Jade Bradbury, a college student from ECU. Jade says that while she enjoys reading about them for fun, she's always been a skeptic when it comes to mysteries and conspiracies. Until it happened to her. In the post Jade is referring to, blogger Shadow of Echor claimed that Augur had been experimenting on animals and creating so-called super-creatures with new technology. The speculation followed a sighting of some kind of creature in the lake and bizarre organic matter that washed up earlier in the year. At the time, it was speculated to be some kind of prehistoric fish. A few weeks ago, a couple of friends and I went to hang out at the lakeside. We were drinking and smoking. We had a little fire going. 
some of the other girls, they decided to go skinny dipping, so they were off in the water, and the rest of us were just sitting around the fire, listening to music. It was probably gone... 11, at least? One of the girls in the water started to scream, and then she just disappeared below the surface. My girlfriend shouted, she's drowning, and everyone started panicking. I have lifeguard training, so I went in after her, except the part of the lake she'd been in only came up to my waist. It, it didn't make any sense for her to be struggling so badly. I saw her hand was still thrashing around at the surface, so I grabbed it and I pulled her onto her feet. She was sobbing as she pushed past me and ran to the shore. But halfway there, she turned to me and screamed, Get out of the water! I, I didn't understand, but I followed her anyway. Everyone did. I must have only gotten a few steps back to shore when I felt... I don't know. Something wrapped around my ankle and pulled me under the water. It hurt a lot. I kicked at something. I have no idea what, but it let go. Once we were safely on the shore, I realized my leg was killing me. So I looked down and saw it was gushing blood. I, I had a three-inch gash down my ankle, and so did that first girl. I, I don't know what it was, and I don't care to find out, but there is something in that lake, and no one believes me. I, I don't think I would either if I didn't have the scar. If you're listening, Jade, thanks for the story. I'm sorry the police shrugged you off. I would expect no less from the ACPD. It definitely could be some kind of experiment. We all know that Augur augments humans to make alphas, so why not animals too, like Shadow suggests. As the blogger points out, the idea of genetically enhanced creatures isn't exactly new. They've existed for years. To produce better meat, leather, wool, and so on. It's not such a stretch to consider alpha animals with the same enhancements. Which brings me back to Hunter, the drug supposedly capable of giving its users temporary artificial powers. Now, I've heard this Hunter everyone is talking about had some pretty extreme side effects. That's what they're saying, Orlo. Everything from, sorry to our listeners, if you're easily grossed out, maybe now is a good time to turn down your volume, nausea, to vomiting, and extreme fever, to blood leaking out of your pores. Yuck. If you've been thinking, hey, that hunter sounds like a bit of fun, you've heard it here first, folks. This is not something to mess with. After some tests, it has proven possible to water down the effects of the Alpha Serum to a temporary level. We are hearing again from Dr. Angelo Volta. I'm not Volta's biggest fan. I don't know if it's a cruel joke of the universe, but it seems like every time I search for more information on Hunter, I end up in contact with Augur's stuck-up poster boy as we both seek answers. <laughs> oh wow, you actually ran those tests. Was it hard? It would require an acute understanding of pharmaceutical engineering. <laughs> so it was hard. <laughs> 
For less sapient minds like yours, perhaps. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. Do you think there's a chance the person creating this drug is doing so inside Augur? Someone could be abusing their position. <sighs> Certainly not anyone in my department. But I'm concerned there may be a leak. And if not, that someone has managed to synthesize what is undoubtedly a very crude recreation of an already volatile substance. That's actually why I'm calling. I might not have the how, but I have got a possible lead towards who. I've found someone who can get me to a dealer. I'm gonna try and get my hands on some. I hope you're not planning something as foolish as sampling it. <laughs> you really don't think much of me, do you? I thought maybe you'd want some too. I don't know, to study? Whatever it is people like you do. People like me? I don't know. I flunk science. I see. I would appreciate the sample if you do get your hands on it. Our second audience story takes place right here in Twin River, just down the street from Night Shift Coffee. It was sent in by a listener who calls herself Mystic Mavis. Do you believe in magic? Of course we all know it's out there, even now. Some people still have the dregs of ancestral powers, even if they're not nearly as powerful as they used to be. Everyone's seen or at least heard of someone who can make their hair glow or stitch torn fabric with just a touch. People with beautiful singing voices that are a little too hypnotic. But that's the extent of it, or so I thought. There's this strange spot on Twin Rivers Main Street, right before the second set of lights. If you don't concentrate really hard, you'll miss it. It's kind of a void between two shops in a space large enough for a whole other shop front. It's like no matter how hard you concentrate on it, you can't see what's really there. I know something is there because I come to your coffee shop all the time and I walk past it nearly every day. When I don't focus, I can't tell anything is different. But if I count my steps on each side of the road, there's 10 paces between Glenn's garden house and the ice cream parlor, even though it feels like they're right next door to each other. What's more, I think I managed to get a glimpse of it once. I think I saw a bookstore with a really beautiful old-fashioned front. Why would there be a hidden bookstore you can't see? It's got to be real magic, right? I didn't think that kind of magic still existed, but seeing is believing. Or not seeing, I guess. If it's that close to work, I guess I have to check it out on my way. Okay, I'm outside Glenn's garden house now. Here we go, counting my steps to the ice cream place next door. One, two, three, four. Hmm. One, two, three, four. <sighs> Sorry to discredit you, Mavis. I'm not seeing it. I love the story, though. Hey, Cam. Glad you could make it. It's good to see you again. Thanks for asking me to help. Do you want a coffee or anything? The first one's always on the house. Stop telling people that. <laughs> I'm speaking with Cam Archer, who introduced me and Diego Alvarez while I was investigating his sister's disappearance. We're going to continue looking into it together. Tell me again about the government phone calls. <laughs> you are obsessed with this. We're looking for anything we can find on the Green Cottage. That... AIU agent, Rayner, 
kept hounding Diego's family for information on it, but he says they don't have a clue what it means. I ran some searches, but whether the green cottage is a place or a secret code, it's a good one. Do you know how many things in the U.S. are called the green cottage? There's gotta be a connection between Vanessa and the AIU that we're not seeing yet. What did you say it stood for again? Anomaly Investigation Unit, right? That's the closest I could find, yeah. This coffee is amazing, by the way. Aw, thank you. What could Anomaly relate to? What do we think they do? The first thing that comes to mind is Veil Anomalies. Was Vanessa taken by the Veil? But then there was the witness Diego pointed out in the security footage. Surely he would have come forward and said something if he'd seen a Veil Rift open in the street and swallow her. You're talking about Veil Rifts? That stuff is crazy. My cousin saw one once. Yeah, well, sort of. We're talking about a girl who went missing from some security footage, whether the veil could have taken her. Wouldn't that mess up the cameras? You know the veil breaks every kind of tech it comes in contact with, right? Good point. Oh, this is Spencer, by the way. He's our assistant manager. Hey, nice to meet you. You too. So, what's the mystery here? Missing girl? A missing girl and some freaky phone calls from a government agency called the Anomaly Investigation Unit. At least we think. We're trying to work out what Anomaly could refer to. Anomaly probably just stands for the unexplained. UFOs, arcane mishaps, you know the sort. Or, maybe, Vanessa was involved with the AIU in some way. When she was in the mall parking lot, she was texting and trying to call someone a lot. What if it wasn't the guy she was seeing? What if she was secretly communicating with the AIU? If she was working with them, she could have disappeared with sensitive information on the Green Cottage, and now they think the Alvarez's have it. That's why they were demanding it. Damn. You really think so? You're talking about a 17-year-old girl working with a secret government agency. Come on. <laughs> this is getting too conspiratorial for me. I've got coffee to make. North doesn't believe in conspiracies. I can tell. Maybe we are getting ahead of ourselves a little. Maybe. But if we can find the guy she was supposedly going to meet, we can at least get clarification if it was true or not. He'll be old enough to talk for himself now. Oh, good. Here comes Satan's little helper. Get out of my way, douche flute. Hey, Sticks. <laughs> Whatever. That's my cue. I'm out. Ah, no one wants you here anyway. Sticks is a weird guy, but he's my kind of weird. He's charged into the coffee shop just after 8 in the morning in a pair of sunglasses with his hood up. He can be a little intimidating, but he'd be more intimidating if he wasn't 5'3". You wanted stories, right? For your show? Well, I've got one. Recorded it already. Here. Is that an original flip phone? It's like he's allergic to technology. Uh, Cam, this is Styx, my best friend. Styx, this is Cam from my last episode. It's nice to meet you. Ugh. Bass, you know that guy? The one that's always here. Pale as shite, like a walking corpse, miserable look on his face. Always wears a suit that looks like it's worth more than the whole bookshop. Do you mean Quinn? Do I? How do I know anyone's names? What about him? Last week when you were doing that whole hunter thing. He was in here when I swung by and I got a weird vibe. If you know what I mean. Stick sort of uh, 
senses things sometimes. I see. Anyway, I followed him. It's all on tape. I'm gonna hold my tongue on that until I've heard it. You're about to hear Styx's recording. I apologize in advance for the sound. Excuse me. The next train to South Point is now arriving on Platform 2. Please allow passengers to disembark before boarding the train. Excuse me. Sir, you need a ticket to cross the barriers? Where's he going? Scorith. Who? Who are you? You're a new one, huh? You feel it too? How do you know? How did you find out about me? Call it a lucky guess, Sunshine. Maybe I could tell. Maybe I could sense it. What do you want, then? D do you want money? Huh? Take it! J just... Just don't tell anyone. I remember the name of life. Don't you know? You don't have any of your time. Oh. Oh, heaven. I... I have to get to work. Is there... any way I can talk to you? So we can discuss this more. Uh, anywhere I can find you. Coffee shop. When you were at this morning. Just ask for Sebastian. He can show you where to find me. Ah, bugger. What's the point of making a recording if you can't hear shite? What were you doing to the phone? What were you talking about? Yeah, you should probably ask him. Anyway, if he asks for me, you know where I am. Nice meeting you. He seems like a handful. Oh no. No one has enough hands to handle that. It's because he's so short. He's closer to hell. <laughs> I'm gonna see if Diego will tell me who the guy Vanessa was meeting was. Does that sound good? Great. Call me when you've got an answer. I've got a contact at the local paper. I'll see if she can dig up anything on the green cottage. schedule a call. Thanks for agreeing to speak with me, Dr. Lamb. That is quite alright. I can only apologize it's been so long. That's Dr. David Lamb, Angelo Volta's assistant. 
You'll remember I was promised a callback when I attempted to contact Augur for comment on the Alpha program at the start of my investigation. Yeah, I'm just getting that callback now. Volta has never been willing to talk about the program, so I'm hoping Dr. Lamb can shed some light instead. First of all, I want to make it clear that I'm recording this conversation for my podcast. Are you okay with that? That's fine. Great. I'm going to get straight into it then, if that's alright. Go ahead. So obviously, we all know the success that comes with graduating into Alpha. Money, rapport, all that. What I really wanted to ask was about the process behind selecting Alpha candidates and what happens to those who don't make it through the program. I've spoken to an ex-candidate. And whilst they haven't been able to say much, obviously around your NDAs, there's been some suggestion that Alpha deliberately takes people who are, I don't know how to put this delicately, uh, desperate enough to go through anything. Personally, I wouldn't say that. I'm not actually involved with the selection process, but I know there's a lot of factors in who the department chooses. Maybe you'll be surprised to hear this, but Alpha gets thousands of applications a year. If you think about the numbers we actually intake, which is only around 25 people, you have to understand that we really have to consider how suitable someone is, and how likely they are to stick it out. Makes sense. But the program has a notorious reputation for people not making it to the end. Why is that? That's somewhat overplaying it. There's an early stage of the process where we invite a lot of potentials along. Sort of like tryouts for a sports team, I guess. But once we've narrowed down our selection to those who will receive the serum, we don't get a lot of dropouts. Well, what parameters are used to actually make that selection? Do you consider their personal situation at all? Well, technically yes. We look at all aspects of their life. Alpha training is, no two ways about it, a taxing process. At the end of the day, it is life-changing. We have a duty to make sure applicants know that and aren't wasting other prospects to make a lifelong commitment to being augmented. So what you're saying is you look for people who don't have anything else going for them. If that's how you want to look at it, but I think that's a very narrow-minded way to analyze it. <laughs> you said there aren't many dropouts, but obviously there are some. What happens to them? Does Augur keep tabs on them? We don't monitor them. We do offer support, though. Much like a soldier coming out of the military, we offer ongoing medical assistance. And, for a time, a small payout to support them into whatever they do next. Medical assistance? What kind? Assistance with any reaction to the serum. And the opportunity to have therapy with our leading psychiatrists for as long as they need it. Cool. Sounds good on paper. But what if they turn it down? The person I spoke to seems to think the experience was, overall, pretty traumatic. Turning it down is their choice. But, like I said, we don't have many dropouts. If I can be honest, I'm very saddened to hear there's anyone who's had such a negative experience. Alpha is an incredible feat of human progress, and it's a relatively new science. Look at any period in history and find me a time when there was no one at all who had a problem with something that threatened to upset the status quo. Okay, that's a valid point. It still feels wrong to me, like you're trying to replace real magic with science. We are in some ways. Magic isn't coming back. The gap is left behind in our world is very real, very tangible. Is there anything more human than trying to engineer something to fill it? Mm -hmm. Can I ask you a couple of questions about your position in Augur? Sure, go ahead. I was told you're Volta's assistant, is that right? Yes and no. I work directly under Dr. 
Dr. Volta as a senior technician, but assisting his research is not the only work I carry out for the department. What's it like to work under him? Next question. <laughs> Seriously? Let's just say his ego and my ambitions aren't uh, congruent. I don't want to talk about him. Okay, um, moving on. How long have you worked for Augur? In this position? Just over a year. Although I started five years ago as an intern in animal sciences. Is that in the same department? It is part of biotechnology, yes. But Alpha was always my goal. Why is that? Did you read comic books growing up? Uh, not really. I did. I guess I think humans are capable of amazing things. Could be capable of incredible things. And if I can be part of making that happen, there is no reason I can think of that I shouldn't. I'm glad Lamb was forthcoming, but I can't help thinking he was just reeling off a scripted set of answers to dismiss any concerns about Alpha. Like there's something just out of reach. Maybe I'm wrong. I really want something more concrete. Something Augur can make go away. your call right now. Believe your name and number, and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Hi, Wolf. It's Sebastian Fenn. I've had some contradictory information about Alpha, and was hoping you could provide some more insight. If you could give me a call when you're available, that would be great. Thanks. Our final audience story comes from Danver, a friend of mine. We're both part of the same urban exploration forum. He kindly recorded his experience for me and included some photographs. As you know, my husband and I are avid urban explorers. For anyone who doesn't know what that means, we find abandoned places and explore them, often taking photographs of the decay and the things left behind. We were exploring a rundown building in North Ecker a couple of weeks back. Huge place. Big enough to be a factory with enough land around it to build a second one the same. For the last three years, it's been for sale, but no one's bought it. Just sat there, fenced off and falling apart. We finally decided to check it out. Inside was beautiful, covered in vines all over the old machinery. You'd love it. But after a while, we started hearing something moving in there. I was worried it would be security, but my husband suspected a wild animal. We were sneaking back down the stairs hoping whatever it was would leave us alone. It was already getting dark. Then I saw it. I don't know what it was. The first thing we both thought was cryptid. It was humanoid, but I saw horns and claws and a tail. It looked like a demon. You'll see in the photo. It was far enough away that I had to zoom all the way. When we got home, looked at the photographs, my husband had a theory. We're not usually conspiracy theorists, but considering how demonic it looks, what if this is what happened to the Valkyries? What if they all fell and became demons? I'm not really saying that seriously, but... 
I figured you'd have fun with that one. I'll send you the location. Danvers' photographs are... Wow. I have to see this place. But the one that really matters is the last one. Pixelated from how far it's zoomed in. Up in the rafters, on all fours like an animal, but definitely humanoid in size and shape, is a creature. I don't know what else to call it. Two horns appear to curve back from the forehead like shepherd's crooks. The eyes reflect in the dark like a cat, and the torso appears misshapen, as though the ribs and the spine are on the outside. Then there's the tail. It's a little hard to tell, but it looks segmented and skeletal, almost as long as the body itself. Danver called it a cryptid. His husband called it a fallen Valkyrie, but considering everything we've talked about, it could be anything. It could even be a shade, although I've never heard of one looking like that before. Those would be some pretty extreme mutations. Or just like whatever's in the lake. It could be something bioengineered, a failed experiment. Thanks, Danver, for sending this in. If I get time, I'll check it out. I've spent so long not talking about it, honestly. I'm happy to help if I can. I'm speaking with Mark Larson, Vanessa Alvarez's old boyfriend. Larson is now 24 years old a college athlete on a scholarship in California. Unlike Diego Alvarez, Larson's life has gone on largely unimpacted by Vanessa's disappearance. We've been going steady for a few months when, uh, when Ness disappeared. And obviously I was devastated, but I had a lot of love and support at school, and I didn't get much pressure from the police about it. You know, after the initial questioning, my alibi was rock solid. So. Were you supposed to meet up that day, like she told her friends? Yeah. Well, this is something I've I've never really been able to, like, figure out. You see, Ness and I had agreed to meet that day, but not for, like, a few more hours after she told her friends that we were meeting up. I was going to surprise her with a movie at 6. I already bought the tickets. Yeah. So when she went off on her own, she must have had other plans first? I guess, yeah. The security footage shows her texting and calling someone from the mall parking lot. Was that you? I did get texts from her. Uh, she said that she was excited to see me later. I, I very much remember that, but no, we, we didn't call. But I thought... I thought she was with her friends all afternoon. Did Vanessa ever talk to you about her home life? A little. Uh, near the end, she talked a lot about wanting a better life, and she got emotional about it. Um, I told the police this, but I wouldn't be surprised if she had done something impulsive. You think she ran away? I don't think it's completely off the cards. She was a flight risk our whole relationship. What do you mean by that, a flight risk? I always sort of wondered if she was seeing someone else besides me. Uh, she wasn't the kind of person who liked to be tied down, you know? We're only dating for 
four months thereabout. Never in that time did I feel like she was like totally sold on me. If you think she could have run away, what about the government phone calls? I don't know, man. Can we be sure they're even like connected? I mean, the Alvarez family's a mess. Maybe the government were after that asshole stepdad instead. Thanks for taking the time to talk to me. Is there anything you want to say before you go? Anything you would say to Vanessa, if you could? Ness? If you are still out there somewhere, you've caused a lot of people a lot of hurt. I hope it was worth it. And if there's someone out there who hurt you, I hope they rot. Thanks for your email, and I'm sorry to hear about the Delaney thing. Trust me, police are a constant nuisance to investigative journalists. <laughs> Is that what I am now? I'm speaking again to Jenny Holt. I asked her to look into what we found out from Diego Alvarez about Vanessa's disappearance. Did you find anything on Alvarez and the Green Cottage? No, sorry, not really. I did learn that some military hospitals refer to morgues as the Rose Cottage, sort of a code to avoid upsetting relatives of the recently deceased when making announcements. So maybe Green Cottage is a code word for a different kind of place? It could be. It could also be a coincidence, or a deliberate choice made by someone who knows other codes. There's too many variables. Anything on the AIU? Not yet. I'll let you know right away if I turn anything up. Thank you. You really don't need to do any of this. <laughs> Happy to help out a fellow journalist, especially considering what you gave me on Wolf. In fact, I found something for you. I thought it might help your search for Vanessa. Oh, really? What is it? Okay, as I'm sure you know, all the CCTV in Egor is maintained by Augur. It's not publicly accessible, obviously, but when we made the episode of Declassified about Vanessa, the studio got hold of the archive footage for the whole boardwalk, and we still have a copy. I asked nicely if I could pass it on to you. No way, Jenny, that's amazing! <laughs> I don't know if you'll garner anything new from it, but I'll send it over. It'll have to be a hard drive in the mail. I think it might take the rest of the year to send it by email. This is going to be a huge help. <laughs> Keep scratching my back, and I'll keep scratching yours, Fen. The tape should be with us in a few weeks. Jenny said she needs to put all the paperwork through first. Here. So that's it for now? That's it for now. That's so frustrating. I really thought we were getting somewhere with this. I thought we were going to find something new. Yeah, me too. Maybe when we go through the tapes. Sorry, Cam. Don't be. It's not your fault. I was just getting my hopes up. You're really invested in this, aren't you? It's not a bad thing. I'm just curious as to why. I know Diego's your friend, but do you have another reason? My mom's been missing. Holy crap. For about three years now. I'm so sorry. Are you looking for her? It's 
complicated. But I know what it feels like to be in Diego's position. If I could bring him some sort of hope or closure. I get it. I just want to do some good in the world. It's a dark place, but that doesn't mean we have to resign ourselves to living like that. After all, the dark is the only place we can see the stars. Thank you. Thanks so much. Have a good evening. Are you okay? You look tired. Uh, I mean, more tired than usual. It's this new prescription. I can't take sleeping pills when I'm on it. Have you had any sleep at all? A couple of hours. This week. Hi, officers. Welcome to Night Shift. We're, uh, we're looking for Sebastian Fan. You know where he is? Oh. Oh. Uh, he's over there. In the check shirt. What do the police want with you? I don't know. Hey, can I help you? So you're Sebastian Fan. Uh, that's me. We need a word. You may want to speak somewhere more, uh, more private. Oh, sure. I don't think it's a good idea anymore. Not for the shop. <laughs> you can't say that. It's attracting more customers, isn't it? Look, I'm not... This isn't about me having a problem with you making your show, okay? It's not a personal grievance here. <laughs> sure. It's always a personal grievance with you when it comes to it's me. It's not... This is about... It's about cops coming in telling you to stop poking your nose around where it doesn't belong. It's not a good look for you, Sebastian. And it doesn't look good on night shift to have one of our employees getting into shit like this all the time. It's not all the time. You can't deny that this is not the first time you've caused me... us... trouble. <sighs> I'm sorry, alright? It won't happen again. Are we done? Last thing I need. Come on. Come on, you stupid thing. Are you okay? What did they want? You remember that fourth body I connected to the Charles Delaney case? The one in the river at Dayport? Yeah. The cops had questions, and not in the I-could-help-with-the-investigation way. Seb, you have to be careful. Maybe it's safer to stop looking into it? <laughs> I... Just for now. The last thing you want is to get into trouble with the cops again. I don't want to give up on that story entirely. I've decided to pass off my investigation into Charles Delaney and the possibility of his innocence to someone who can look into it without causing me, or my boss, any further grief. Meet Shadow of Echor. Echor City is poisoned. The current of sickness and malintent runs beneath the black river of the streets, behind every closed door, inside every home. 
every business. It's infectious, and it's spreading. You go about your lives with blinders on whilst your city rots from the inside, whilst the shadows grow larger by the day. You can't look away forever. Shadow's blog isn't hugely well-known, but those who know it can recognize Shadow in an instant from the neon mask he never takes off. As well as sharing conspiracies, he's very adept at acquiring information that most of us can't. And anonymity protects him from the consequences. If Charles Delaney was framed, it was in one of two ways. Either someone high up, without in state government or higher, saw an opportunity to turn people against Shades and seized it with both hands, or Augur is behind it. Delaney attended an Augur medical trial before he became a Shade. That's not all. Two of the victims also attended similar trials with Augur in the same year. There is no public information on what these trials were. This could be connected to Augur's Veil Research Department. They could be testing with F-cells. They could even be behind Delaney's transformation and every death that followed. Who knows how many more victims there are. It's a troubling proposition. Unlike the State Department, there's no process for accessing Augur's private records. But Shadow is going to keep looking into it for us. If anything else arises on Charles Delaney, we'll be the first to know. Night Shift Podcast is hosted by Sebastian Fenn, produced in Ecuador City by Nocturne Studios. Right now we're crowdfunding to complete Season 1. If you're enjoying the show, please check out our Kickstarter link in the description. Alternatively, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash nightshiftpodcast. Additional voices provided by Sarah Baccaran, Ify, Victor Valdeon, Ali Nesbitt, Doug Nesbitt, V. Black, Nicole Kelgard, Ray Archer, Ash Pendragon, Eric Raymond, Kenny Armstrong, Chase R., Sam B. Nguyen, Adriana Casador, Julian Sanchez, Sasha Alexandra, Ian Lim, Andre Rivera, Donna Shaw, and Angie Gon. Special thanks, as always, to our executive producers, Sophia Johansson, Emily Hogarth, and Katie B. Opening theme by Pastiche. Got a conspiracy to share with us? You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at NightShiftCast. <laughs>